Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And a very good morning to you. And we've got a special guest in the studio, Darren Lehman. Uh, welcome to you. Morning, Patty. How are you? I'm very well. Heels is about to head to his business class seat at the airport en route to uh, India this morning. As he normally does. As he normally does. I'm only reading a little bit more about this. Uh, Have you heard who will be there for this uh, brand new stadium in uh, Amenabad for the fourth test, which starts Thursday? Well, Ian Healy will be there. Well, let me give you a little list. (laughs) So the, the stadium is named for the Indian Prime Minister, Narendra Modi. He'll be there. So too will the Australian Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese. Cricket Australia's recently appointed chair, former New South Wales Premier Mike Baird. Australian Cricketers Association CEO, Todd Greenberg. Qantas Chief Executive, Alan Joyce. I wonder if he'll fly business. Maybe even first, Alan, wouldn't he? He'd be up the front, definitely. Combank CEO, Matt Comran. Fortescue Medals boss, Andrew Forrest. And Rio Tinto Chief Executive, Kelly Parker. And Heels. And Heels. <laughs> It'll be a pretty good crew going over. Terry Svensson from Queensland Cricket's going yeah, over. Adam Dale. Adam Dale, yeah. <laughs> former Australian player. So they're going over to have a look at the cricket, obviously, and speak a... Speaking about what's going on in the world of the game and where it's heading, I suppose, from a yeah. Queensland point of view, which I think is an excellent idea. India really running the game, aren't they, this yeah. day and age? So great move by Queensland Cricket. Yeah, so they're doing uh, – we're not quite sure how big this stadium is because they say at one end, one plaque says 110,000. The plaque at the other end says 130,000. What about the tickets? <laughs> you, the, the Australians that are over had to apply to get tickets. Yeah. Uh, and they finally got it through, I think, with the help of our, our PM. So – yeah, it's going to be an interesting week up there. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. And, of course, we're a chance of, of, of levelling the series. We know that the Border Gavaskar Trophy is gone, but a chance to level the series maintains a very good record for us uh, in all forms of test cricket, you know, in recent times, in whether recent they be times. home or away. Yeah, Especially in the subcontinent, if you think Pakistan yeah. uh, going there and playing well, Sri Lanka playing well, and now India. Yes, we didn't start so well. I think I'm with heels here. If we had the tour game, that may be a different story, but you can't look in the past. End of the day, we've got what we've got, and we've started to play some good cricket. And if you take those two bad hours in the first two test matches out, those mm. bad sessions, you know, we competed really well. So I was pleased for the boys to actually get a result in the third test. I thought they played really well. They batted better. Uh, they applied themselves and, and really drove the game. So yeah. fingers crossed that can happen again. Dan Vittori spoke yesterday on behalf of the team, and, and he knows that whichever way it goes, whether it's 110,000 or 130,000, it's going to be one of the biggest sporting crowds that we've ever seen. So, uh, look, just playing in front of a massive crowd is is going to be, I reckon, fun for the Aussies. Oh, it'd be unbelievable. I mean, I think the biggest crowd would, would have been, for me, would have been the World Cup final in 2015 yeah. at the MCG. And I wasn't playing, I was coach then. But that was loud as. But you times that, amplify it by many times in India because they're just going to roar at every moment, every defensive shot, every run scored, every wicket (laughs) taken. So it's going to be loud. Let's listen to Dan Vittori on the crowd. I think we're expecting a big one at least the first day. The the talk has been excitement around actually playing a test match in, in, in front of that. And then also just, I suppose, almost the logistics of it on on the field and how you deal with reviews, um, referrals, all that sort of stuff, because the noise will play a huge part in that. So, 
Yeah, well, he was speaking about the noise as well. Let's listen to him talk about it because, as you know, it will be a factor, you would think. I don't think so. Look, I can only think of my own experiences, and I think you get so immersed in the actual game that that becomes the the focal point and the crowd's just the occasional distraction, occasional talking point, looking up, seeing what they're doing. But I think think the noise is the main thing that you're going to have to deal with if it's that many people... I mean, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I oh, mean, I even as a great. TV viewer back here, it all well, starts Thursday. It's been unbelievable, the, the noise in each test match. Uh, I mean, there was probably not as many in the first couple of test matches, but this one, day one, will be huge. So, mm. fingers crossed, Australia win the toss, bat and bat well, and hopefully we get some uh, a pitch that might be a little bit better as well, Paddy. Now, you'll be in presence of the GOAT this morning. I'm happy with that. Half an hour we've got him on for. I know. Well, I'll, I'll be nervous. <laughs> <laughs> well, particularly because, see, we know your background, that you're not originally from Queensland, but we, we've adapted you, adopted <laughs> you now. You're a Queenslander these days. Uh, but you are already a Dolphins member. You're not a bandwagon boy. You haven't jumped on after the win. Oh, no. I was... I was... <laughs> Hey, speaking of the devil, Ian Healy's just walking past him on his way to the airport. But, yeah, I, I literally... Uh, Decided to join in inceptual year, Rupert McCall, who I think we've got on the show. Yeah, we have got on the show. The Dolphins' uh, number one ticket, number one ticket holder, holder, holder who's a ripper. He, he said, look, come on, you might as well join. I was a Parramatta supporter for, for years, but not really a fanatic about it, but loved, you know, what Arthur was doing down there and, and enjoying them. But, you know, to get involved in an inception year, an inaugural that, club. And so last year, 2022, I joined and continued on this year. So I'm there. So got you my were, seat in Suncorp. You were... You'd snuck up the coast for a bit of quiet time at the weekend, but you would have kept an eye on it. it oh, was, I watched it. Definitely it watched great, it with a beer it? in hand. It was, it was a fantastic result. I love watching it. And it was just, Wayne Bennett, super coach, has done it again, hasn't he? So the way the players played with passion and everything they're about out there at Redcliffe and the way they went about it mm. at Suncorp, I think it'll be a bigger crowd this weekend. What about the, uh, the, the effects of it? So they're saying now that they've sold $100,000 worth of merch on Sunday afternoon. And another thirty thousand dollars worth of merch online and, after the win. And after the win, membership would have gone up. I think well, a bit as well. Yeah, they're over twenty thousand. We'll have to speak to Terry Reader about this. But I mean, the, the the reaction has been unbelievable. Plus, all reports from Foxtel is that this is their highest viewing first week of NRL ever by around about seventeen percent. Well, that's unbelievable, isn't it? There's, there's some great figures for the club in their mm. first first game. I mean, they had the highest round figures as well, aggregate round. I think it was, what, 30, what did you say, 32,000? 32,000 32, yeah. they had on Sunday, yeah. So that's a pretty good start, isn't it? They've got a lot to live up to now after beating the Roosters. I mean, the Roosters were poor, weren't they? Yeah. They, they, they weren't yeah, up to, to be first fa- game. Yeah, to be fair, but though, the Roosters were rattled. Mm. And, I, you know, we a lot said about the couple of tackles that Kafusi laid, but they were just mean and nasty all the way through the Dolphins. They got in their face. And they had, you know, there was no sign of them being overawed by a genuine premiership heavyweight. So I know the Roosters were ordinary, but they were made look ordinary. Yeah, they kept going. I love the fact they kept trying to score. Even in the 70th minute when they were 10 points up, they they kept trying to score. So it was actually an exciting game to watch. I I loved it. First game and hopefully many more like that over the the course of their journey. Yeah, well, just look at the the facts and figures. They're saying that, like, the the games at KO, I, I think they're... Dragons on May 25 and Penrith on July 16, they could even become members-only matches. 
That's because, how big. If, if, yeah. if, if, that happens when you start winning, don't you? And you've yeah. got a new team to support. And, you know, oh, I'm pleased for everyone down at Redcliffe and what they've done. I mean, it's a fantastic yeah. club, great history. And now what they've got come and brought first round of the NRL, I, I respect the NRL Chiefs would be over the moon with mm. that result. I listened, uh, and I've mentioned it on the show before, I listened a few weeks ago to an interview with Brian Fletcher, the uh, Penrith CEO. And he said the effect of winning and what that has on their bottom line has been dramatic out in the foothills of the Blue Mountains. So imagine what it's going to be like for this brand new team. Especially when you think about it, how many games do you expect them to win in their first year? Half a dozen, seven, eight maybe? Yeah. You know, that, 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 yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But now you're going, whoa, top eight. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I, I, I listened to a little bit of 360 last night. They, they were, you know, just not a dampener, but just putting a – uh, a little slow on it by saying, hey, hang on a minute, they, they've gone in virtually injury-free for their first match. You know, wait, wait until a couple of injuries hit, you know, maybe their older players and things like that. And, you know, suspensions, the realities hit of, of a regular 27-round NRL season. Well, death of squad is always the one, mm. isn't it? But I'm pretty sure Wayne Bennett would have thought about all those uh, conundrums coming his way. He'd have some depth in the squad. He'd want to give some game time to his younger players at certain stages yeah. throughout the year anyway. So, yes, it'll be a challenge for him how they cope with the injuries and suspensions, as you said. But that's a pretty good first start. As a supporter, I'm pretty happy. All right. Have you got some fins? Have you got some Dolphins merch? We'd love to hear from you. Brighton Homes open line, 131355. Or that text line, 0467 736 736. Uh, Get in contact with this morning. Our special guest is Darren Lehman in the show here for the next three hours. As I said, from 8 o'clock, we'll have the GOAT. We'll have Cameron Smith on to talk all matters league. We're talking about suspensions. Well, there's already been one decent one handed out. Jordan Rappiner uh, from the Raiders, he's gone. He's taken his grade one shoulder charge. Uh, the early plea got cop three weeks. But Sharks stalwart Wade Graham is going to fight his reckless high shot now. Uh, you know, you've got to think that the problem with this one, and we know that it, it is not in his DNA. Uh, at all. But no, no, that's right. But you're not getting away with it. Yeah. He he left the ground. So if he's found guilty, there's four weeks that the Sharks lose him for. So they're gambling on a, on a week or two, aren't they? So yeah, they're, down, they're trying to downgrade, aren't yeah. they? Um, I, I just don't think anything that involves the head in sport these days, doctors, clubs, officials, boards, associations, they're just, you know, protecting the head, aren't yeah. they? Now, the big news, back page news this morning, if you're just waking up... Uh, for the, the league season is that the Dolphins are going to keep David Fafita. Uh, this has been a, a tug of war for some time. But I've got to say, we had Steve Mitchell on, Titans CEO, last week. And uh, he wasn't giving too much away, but he knew that the conversation was in the final stages between management and, and, and the player himself, coaches and the club. And he said, look, right at the moment, David is fit. And, and you've got to agree, he looks as fit as he's been for a while. And he's very happy here. Did that surprise you? Him, uh, him staying? Because from, from my point of view, I thought, oh, he might go back to the Broncos. Yeah, well, we knew he had to take a little bit of a haircut, you know, a million plus, and didn't quite live up to that price tag last year. And there's no doubt about that. And he'd be the first to admit that. But, look, it seems to me that he's got a point to prove. And, you know, he's got himself even fitter th than what he was. He's got foreign now to deliver to him, even though the news on Corin, so it's a bit of a good news, bad news. They've, they've beaten the Raiders and the Bronx to his signature for, they're saying three years, 2.4 million. That's what news is reporting this morning, uh, where he probably got another 100K more out of the Raiders. Don't know what the Broncos' offer was. Kevy, you know, rallied late and had private meetings with him, apparently. This was after Farnworth and Flegler 
will go to Redcliffe next year and probably leave a hundred, you know, one point five million dollar little hole in their salary. I love how you say apparently you had silent meetings. You know whether you had meetings or not, Paddy. Well, I don't know whether I don't know. they get down to rickshaws or they. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is great news, obviously, for the Titans because um, I thought yeah. he might have moved on. Obviously, he'd been. A little bit disappointing, I suppose, in his previous three yeah. years. But he's only young. He's got a long career ahead of him. And you know, when you think of how fit he looks now, he's going to have a, a big three or four years. Yeah, that's exactly right. And as I said, it was a little bit good news, bad news. I mean, big picture stuff. Fantastic that they've kept Fafita. They've kept Canberra and the Broncos at bay, giving them a don't argue. Uh, he's there until the end of 2026. Uh, but in the short term, not great news for Kieran Foran. So they say it's posterior and medial crucial damage, just small tears. So certainly won't travel to play the Dragons two to four weeks. You're probably leaning towards four, aren't you? You would think you'd be safe with those injuries. And remember, Medicos, they'll take a a conservative view, which they have to this day and age. They're so strong and fit. So they'll be working hard to get that right. But I'd say it's more likely four. We should have asked Dr Healy on his fleeting visit here he's just picked what, what he was doing he's just picked up a bit of equipment so we're we're hoping to have him back on the show tomorrow morning from Amenabad. good luck is... with that <laughs> <laughs> IT doesn't oh it should work really well over there but you never know <laughs> would you just keep your phone on early <laughs> six o'clock tomorrow morning yeah, we, we may come a knocking yeah I'll see you tomorrow morning lads <laughs> Uh, having us is in the studio. Jack's arrived because Vanessa's not here today, is she? Uh, she is not, so I'm going to be stepping in and taking over the traffic and weather and uh, quietly cacking myself about it. Right, well, I'm working on some really, really heavy meteorological questions for you. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit of racing. Queensland is your place to race this year. The action continues this week right across the Sunshine State. Visit racingqueensland.com.au. Now, a young lady who has ridden right across the Sunshine State, but is now making a big, big name for herself right here in Bris Vegas, Ange Jones. Angela Jones, a very good morning to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Good morning to you. Thanks for having me on. Now, it's up and rocky today, so you've got a, a day off riding, but uh, things have been... You're someone who's ridden all over the state, and I, I look at places like Augustella and Chinchilla, Thangul, Gundawindi... But you're going so well here and you're riding a lot for the, the number one trainer and Tony Gollum. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, he's given me a really, really good go since I've moved down to Brisbane and um, I couldn't be more happy with um, how's it, how it's all been going and I think that's a, it's a big um, credit to him, really. Now, the other one we saw, that, and, and this was in the papers, Tony has, has employed Robbie Frad to just work with you a little bit. I mean, Robbie, one of the most experienced jockeys in the world and has recently retired. He's What's he been doing with you, Ange? Um, yeah, so he only just started um, probably last week. So he just, um, he comes to most of the race meetings or the ones here in town. And I, th- I think he really enjoys that because obviously that's the routine he's had for probably the last 40 years and he's, yeah. he's missing it. So he um, he just sort of sits out the front of the jockey's room and he, he does a form before the meeting and we talk about some of the races before we go to the meeting and then probably after each race, a little bit before, and then as soon as we come back, we'll probably look at the replay and just chat what he would have done, if he would have done anything different to me or if you know something happened that I probably couldn't help, wasn't my fault, just unlucky. And I think it just helps just having that someone to say, there was nothing else you could have done. And then, then you can just forget about it. You can go to the next race and mm. just with a, probably a clear 
you know, a fresh headspace and you can sort of just forget all about that. When some things I think you hold on to a little bit and you think maybe you could have done something, but I think it's probably, he's probably just good for making you let go, start again, there's nothing you can do. And you go out to that next race with a fresh headspace and I think he's, yeah, probably just the reassurance and gives you a little bit of confidence. Um, he also does a lot on the mechanical horse, um, just helps you a lot with your style and that obviously he's only just started but I think I think it's going to be a big help. So talk us through that mechanical horse. Is that uh, practising uh, changing hands with a whip? Is that the main thing with that? Yeah, that and um, I think it's good fitness as well because obviously you can't really get at them too much in the trials um, but it, it helps. I think you can try different things um, at home and you've got to sort of be able to do it on the horse and then do it so regularly enough that it just becomes muscle memory because I think when you're doing things out there, you don't really have the time to actually think about it. It's just got to all just come like that. Right. Um, I think that's where the horse comes into it. When you can sort of nail it there, then you can go out and you can do things without really thinking about them too much. Okay, that's it is fascinating, the, this whole training regime. But now you grew up in Charters Towers, and is it true that you had to tell just a, a couple of small fibs to your parents about your ambitions? Yeah, probably. Um, they were sort of always keen on um, me going to uni, and I think um, they thought I, I would always want to come back to uni. I might have other ideas, but they thought it would probably be better if I just went to uni first and... Um, I had an older sister who she got into track work a little bit, did that for about six months in school and then she finished school and decided probably the smart thing was to go to uni and go to vet and um, I was very similar to her so they thought, you know, I had these ideas the same as her but I would take the smarter option but I, I, was, I was pretty set on it actually. <laughs> um, and then I knew Dad was obviously from a... Uh, property, so he wanted us girls to get involved with um, agriculture. So when the um, opportunity came for me to um, go help on this property, and they had a couple um, racehorses, I, I didn't really mention the racehorse side of it. I sort of just said, you know, they they got a couple hundred head of cattle, and it was sort of like a nannying job almost. <laughs> um, but all I saw was the the um, six seven racehorses they had in the back paddock. So. Um, that's how I sort of eased into it until I turned 18 and then I said, well, this is what I really wanted to do and that's when I moved to Toowoomba. Oh, so you fell in love with it, which is great. What, talk us through your normal morning. Did you ride track work this morning? Yeah, yeah, so I ride track work um, every morning. Um, probably just do around nine for Tony. Um, and that's good. I think it, it keeps you fit. Um, we don't really have a time to stop in between from when you do the first to the last. You, you don't stop, and I think that's really good fitness-wise. It probably takes a couple of weeks to get used to, and then, then you, once you're used to it, I, I enjoy it. Um, I like the track work. I think you do probably get a, only a little bit sick of it maybe towards the end of the week when there's a couple more race meetings. Mm. But, um, no, I like it. I stay busy, and... It's it's good being here in Brisbane where you're a little more central to all the race meetings. I found um, when I was in Toowoomba doing the sort of the provincial circuit, it was it was travelling all the time. But here everything's just a little bit closer, and then you have those two meetings a week that are right on your doorstep. You don't feel like you're always travelling, and so 
I'm enjoying the lifestyle here. All right, that's fantastic. You're only young, you're only 21, you've got so much ahead of you. And, of course, you've got this National Apprentice Race Series and you're going to get a chance to ride in Melbourne at Sandown. So this is dream come true stuff for you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's very excited and um, I'm honoured to have been chosen to represent the state and um, Victoria is probably somewhere I've always wanted to ride and it and be a little um, thing I can check off the bucket list. So I'm looking forward to it and uh, I'm just grateful for the opportunity. We'll be cheering. Angela Jones, thanks for joining us today. It's a, it's a wonderful story coming from uh, Charters Towers and now starting to dominate in the city. We, we, we really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. So after a, a hiccup against the Hurricanes and a little bit of introspection, the Reds found their touch. 71-20 against the Western Force, 10 tries at the weekend. We've got Queensland Reds lock Ryan Smith joining us. Ryan, I'm going to get straight to the really tricky questions first. Uh, you've got Darren Lehman joining me in the studio as well. I understand that your former job was in refrigeration and air conditioning and you had to crawl through roofs. I would have thought... But for someone two metres tall and 115-plus kilos, crawling through roof cavities would have been a fairly perilous job. Yeah, no, it wasn't too much fun. But uh, <laughs> when you get some 35-year-old fridgy screaming at you, uh, I think you just do what you've got to do to earn your 11 bucks an hour and be happy about it. So, no, it was good fun. <laughs> oh, welcome, mate. Hey, it must have been a great to get a win on the board after the first week. The coach is happy. Everyone's happy after that result, 71-20. Oh yeah, we just we needed to have a bit of a response from last week, and um, you know it's unfortunate that it blew out to to be such a big score. But um, yeah, a win's a win, and we'll, we'll definitely take it. I heard Liam Wright talk in the post-match press conference. He said there was a little bit of introspection after the you know folding against the Hurricanes in the second half, and there's a little bit of straight talking amongst the team. Yeah, definitely, we've sort of been pretty. Um, open and honest uh, with our reviews from last week and, uh, and again, with our previews of, of the, uh, you know, sorry, uh, reviews of uh, the Canes game and the previews of the Force game. So that was really good. And I think that's the space we need to continue to move into is you know, a little bit of calling each other out when we're, we're not good enough and, and uh, even calling yourself out when you, you know, put your hand up when you've done something that's not good enough. And uh, yeah, we took a good review and um, did some good um, preview of the Force and um, yeah, it sort of, worked in our favour there, so we'll take that in into this weekend against the Brumbies. Vinavalu, mate, he was pretty uh, pretty exciting, on the, especially the second half on the weekend. Yeah, definitely, mate. It's good to see him out on the pitch. He's got that X factor, which we definitely need. And, um, yeah, it's hard to keep up with him. As soon as I see him bloody get an intercept, I hardly get out of first gear because I <laughs> presume he's going to score it. But, um, yeah, no, he's great to have on our side and um, battled through a bit of injury recently, so... Good to see him um, get some get some points on the board and some good minutes in the saddle. And, um, yeah, he was great for us. Hey, I would assume as a, as a forward, as a big forward, that you have a complete disdain for anything in the back line. But uh, Tom Liner, just talk us a little bit about, tell us a little bit about his story. I heard Thorny saying, you know, he's come from London. He, he, he obviously has the name. Uh, and uh, he, he's just fitted in beautifully. And he's only a baby, really. Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, it's pretty unfair, really, when you compare him to me. He's got all the skills and good looks, and um, yeah, he's, he's um, a good little kid. And yeah, I think Thorny was sort of talking about. He came straight over from London and had uh, hadn't really spent too much time in Australia, and um, was thrown in the deep end in the pre-season uh, last year. And um, you know, we went on an army camp in Canungra. Um It was pretty tough slog, and uh, yeah, there's a few little challenges thrown his way. He had to. 
he was the only one in the whole crew that was allowed to speak at one point when we had to set up our tents and our you know stretcher beds and things so um, yeah and he, and he handled it like a champ so yeah, he's a really good kid he's got a cool calm head and um, yeah he's improving week to week. Now, now we're asking it all about these other players Mate, how, how's your own form how are you feeling with the way you're playing? Um, yeah I'm feeling good I sort of uh, had a little bit of a wobble with the line out in the Canes game and I sort of turned that around this week and it always makes it makes it easy. You've got Liam Wright that um, comes back into the side, and um, yeah, he's just an absolute professional. So, makes my job of calling lineouts pretty easy when I got him beside me throwing ideas, and you know we collaborate well on the field. So, uh, yeah, I've just been enjoying enjoying my role, and I'm not getting too carried away with um, anything. You know, just focusing on making my tackles and getting the set piece stuff all sorted. So it's um, it's been a good first two rounds, and looking to build into this weekend. You've had time with Australia, A, but uh, there's a new set of eyes controlling the Wallabies now. Um, what do you think? I mean, are you an Eddie Jones sort of player? Um, yeah, I, I hope so. Um, he's uh, He likes the hard-working guys. So, um, yeah, I like to sort of base my game around that and I'm working hard. And no, I'm definitely not a flashy player. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it sort of suits that sort of style that he likes. But... Um, yeah, I'm just focusing on the Reds at the moment, and um, if there's anything to come from it afterwards, that's that's a plus. But um, yeah, we're we're looking to really build something here in Queensland, and um, I'm excited to be a part of it. Mate, you just got to say yes, you're an Eddie Jones player, and and, and speak to him. That'll be fine. But <laughs> speaking of, look, you know I love my cricket, obviously, and you got a cricket player that actually plays for Norse there. Harry Wilson's back playing. Now, how did he go? Yeah. He was pretty good. 18 yeah, tackles no, on the weekend. Yeah, he's great, mate. Mr. Perpetual Motion. Um, yeah, he's in everything, defence, attack, both sides of the ball, and a really skillful line-out operator as well. So, uh, yeah, if, uh, if the going gets tough, you can always look for Big Harry to um, have a big carry, and you saw a few of those on the weekend where he put some put some people on their backs when he was carrying and um, scored a really nice try off one of the line-outs. So, yeah, he's, um, he's a legend to have alongside us as well. All right, you've got the Brumbies this weekend. Talk us through that. They're 2-0. They upset the Blues. Uh, we had Tommy Hackett from Ladbrokes uh, who was going through the Super Rugby last week and said, well, they've almost got the Blues on top uh, as favourites and, uh, and, the, and the Brumbies upset them. So this will be a tough travel this weekend. Yeah, definitely. We've got a short turnaround. Obviously, played on Sunday last week and we've got a game on Saturday. So I uh, missed the training day there. So... Yeah, everyone's got to be really around their details early on in the week. And, um, yeah, we've had a pretty pretty fierce rivalry with them uh, in the last sort of two years. And, um, yeah, we just need to focus on our game. And um, they're pretty clinical around their set-piece stuff, um, pretty dominant in the mall. So uh, we're going to have to work extra hard around that this week and um, try and combat them there. But, yeah, as you say, they, um, they put it to the, the Blues and they're a very quality outfit, as you say. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the game. It'll be super physical and should be should be really good viewing. Good stuff. Hey, great to have a chat. Uh, congratulations on uh, on your career so far. And let's hope in a World Cup year that there's much more to come for you. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Appreciate it. Ryan Thanks, Smith, man. Queensland Reds lock, uh, coming off that big, big win against the Western Force last weekend when they took the Super Rugby all into Melbourne. And uh, it gets, gets a little bit tougher this weekend. Brumbies in Canberra, 6.35 Saturday night. Don't forget, Cameron Smith coming up after 8 o'clock.
We'll also got Rupert McCall in this next half hour. The Dolphins' biggest fan. Is he their number one ticket holder? Is that right? Oh, I'm pretty sure he is. We'll, we'll find out, but he'll tell us anyway. But he, he should be. If he's not, he will be. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're playing Ricky uh, Ricky's Raiders, uh, 4.30 Saturday afternoon, and, and they'll be wearing their special Redcliffe Heritage jersey to celebrate the occasion. I think we've got Rupert. We've got a thumbs up that we've got Rupert. Now, a very good morning yeah. to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have probably been ready for this yesterday morning, Pat. But uh, you know, <laughs> that's 20, what I like to hear. See, I could. Twenty-four could, hours later, I'm okay. I couldn't get an honest answer from Terry Reedy yesterday. He's surmised that he didn't sleep pre-match because of nerves, and he wouldn't have slept post because of celebrations. But uh, he said he didn't really give me a straight answer to tell you the truth as to whether he'd been out all night. But obviously you did the celebrations oh. for him, did he? Did you? Oh, I contributed to it, mate. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, after full time. <laughs> after full time, I just I sat there and soaked it up like with my son, Jake, at the stadium, You know, as, as I might have done with my dad. Yeah, uh, that's great. And, now, uh, yeah, and then I yeah, then sorry, wave of emotion. But I drove, and then I walked up to the caco, of course, had a couple there, and then and then onto the paddock for a couple more. Ah, uh, <laughs> brilliant! Now I've got Buff in the studio today. Hills is on his way to to India. He's a member as well, and he, he said you were instrumental in, in getting this team together to join the Dolphins and get on the bandwagon nice and early. I thought he was a prime candidate. You know, he was one of my first targets <laughs> because uh, yeah, hailing from South Australia, I thought maybe he doesn't have an NRL allegiance and he just, he, he loves Queensland and the spirit of everything it represents and the, you know, the Dolphins were the, the new kids on the block. So, you know, it wasn't always easy. Every time we missed a marquee signing, Buford sent me a message, very concerned. Uh, and then when we signed, guys, he said, is this bloke any good? Oh, I don't know about this. And so I had to, you know, I had to implore his patience. He did have to calm me down, Rupert. But... <laughs> now, are you the number one ticket holder? I'm trying to work that out with Paddy. No, not officially. Uh, I don't know. If you you think anyone. you are, though. You think you are. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's 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 big part of my life. I, I, don't, I don't think I need to be number one. But, uh, you know, I'm certainly out the front. Hey, Rupert, just the, the, the stats from this. I mean, I know they won the match and they beat, you know, one of the real premiership heavyweights, but they're talking about, you know, 100, 100 grand's worth of merch sold and then another 30K's worth of merchandise online. We're talking about mm. them being part of record figures for record ratings for Foxtel over the, over the round, 17% up on, on last year. And now they're saying these other KO Stadium games, I think Dragons... May 25, Penrith, July 16, could be in such high demand that they'll be members only. At, at Dolphin Oval, yeah. yeah. So um, it's massive, isn't it? Uh, it, it you know, but you know, Pat and, and Buff, like sport at its very best is, is so tribal. And so it, this didn't happen overnight. Like it's 75 years of history there of, you know, the, the, the legacy of ghosts, players past, and including Arthur Beetson, you know, who was so prominent uh, on Sunday. People want to be a part of that. You know, it's a red, white and gold. It's it's a wave rolling forward. And uh, you see the kids there on the weekend, you know, just with their parents and grandparents. Uh, it's a family affair. It's tribal. And, uh, you know, I think it's only going to move forward from here. 
What was the feeling like, Roop, on, on the day? Like, you know, the emotions of it, you know, the first try and then the win and, you know, the, as you said, the family affair out there at, at Suncorp mm. and, you know, 30,000, 32,000 people. What was it What was it like to be a part of and, and the emotions of getting back to the club and having a beer and meeting mm. the players? It was surreal. It, it was such a beautiful afternoon and I had a, you know, had a few on the back deck here at, at home beforehand uh, including uh, Michael Hancock, who, who played in the first game for the Broncos as an 18-year-old in 1988. So it was just great to have you know, Mick around to tell those stories, and that's what it—that's what it is. It's a, uh, for want of a better cliche, it, it, it's a fairy tale. And 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 Wayne Bennett is the Hans Christian Andersen of rugby league. He is the master of writing these fairy tales. You know, we, it, there were critics, there were doubts whether we had the depth or the marquee players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But Wayne and his team, you know, the team on the field and off the field, they did it. We did it again, and uh, mate, it is very special. Uh, I agree. I, look, when I was there when the Broncos were formed. I went to their first training session at Corralbin in '87, and I mean, it took them five years to win a title with an unbelievable roster for quite some time there, including the likes of Alf and Kevy, etc. Mm. Wally in the early days. So it, it won't come overnight, and I know it'll probably get tougher from from now on in. But you're right; the fairy tale started, and and Bennett was the puppet master. <laughs> Correct, Patton. You know, mate. Like it is going to get harder from here. It, it it gets harder this week. You know, you come down from the emotion of of that high and all the energy, uh, that and the and the excitement that that goes into it. I mean, you've got to front up again this weekend and the crowd at Dolphin Oval might, might lift the lads and, and we, we hope that it does. But, uh, you know, the Raiders won't want to go down 2-0 at the start of the season and then you've got to travel and then you've got to come back and play the Broncos on a Friday night. Every week's going to be a, a challenge and there will, be, there will be a time when reality sets in and things get tough. That's just sport, right? But uh, you couldn't fault what happened on Sunday afternoon and it just lays a... Yeah, it continues uh, another beautiful chapter uh, in this great tradition. Now, the master of coaching, Wayne Bennett, you know him better than most. What's he What's he been like in the lead up? You would have had some chats to him. Yeah, he he was he's been fantastic uh, since he signed up for the gig. Buff uh, for the last twelve months, he's he's you know turned up to a lot of events and functions to fly the flag for the Dolphins and. He's done it very well, but but in the last couple of weeks he's been really cranky, uh, <laughs> and uh, the answers have been getting shorter and shorter and shorter because he understands that you know all the bells and whistles, you know, and the bright lights they don't mean anything if you don't turn up and play good footy. So he was aware of that, and I think after the trial where we where we got uh, the strides pulled down. He realised he had to fix a few things and, well, it looked like he had on Sunday. Um, so uh, Wayne's the perfect man to be at the helm. He knows rugby league inside out. He knows what makes it tick. And, and, and honestly, as I said in the Stan documentary, Dawn of the Dolphin, he knows that at its best, the game is not complicated. It's very simple. Mm. And that's why it's good to have him at the helm. And I, I think the backup, we had Nathan Fien on the show last week. And, I mean, he's got a wonderful footy mind as well and he's cut his teeth and, and Wayne went out and actually headhunted him but the other guy of course is Christian Wolf, who has a wonderful pedigree and is so well liked I mean I think the succession plan down there mate is fantastic and of course you know as we well know Farnworth and Flegler are there next year 
Yeah, the road is long, isn't it? And, and but the foundations are strong, and, and having Wayne appoint guys like that uh, means that you know you, you can you can go to sleep at night feeling that, that the future's in in pretty good hands. Mm. Christian Wolf, uh, you know O'Sullivan, the recruitment manager, the um, Kurt. Um, Donahue, you know, who's looking after the feeder clubs and everything. I mean, that's where it's going to come from in the future, from the Sunshine Coast and Rockhampton and Wide Bay and Bundaberg and places like that. Speaking of Bundaberg, Felice Kafusi, the first bloke to sign, the hardest decision that anyone had to make. No safety in numbers. No, I'll wait and see who they sign. Had the guts and the courage to put his name on the page first. And then he did what he did on Sunday and won the Arthur Beetson Legacy Medal. Just yeah. another little chapter of that fairy tale. Yeah. Of course we'd expect that from a Bundy boy, though, mate. <laughs> yes, yes, Pat. Yeah, my, you know, as you know, my mum was born there and uh, we, had, we had a little, we had a few of those on Sunday night as well. <laughs> <laughs> hey, very, very quickly, uh, Cuzzy Bro is a regular contributor here. Uh, question to ask Rupert. Uh, will he pen the long-awaited poem and when the mighty Wallabies win... Win back the Bledisloe Cup. Uh, obviously, with Cousy Bray, you know where his allegiances lie. And, <laughs> and can he give an idea? Can he give me an idea on what decade he will write that poem? <laughs> <laughs> Hope I'm still around. I mean, I've forgotten what it's like. You know, that pay tribute to a Bledisloe Cup victory. So, oh dear. Yeah. I mean, you know, anything's possible, uh, I suppose. And Eddie Jones, you know, he might be the, the catalyst uh, to to get the juices uh, creatively flowing again. But but anyway, you know, for now, you, you want a little bit of... Uh, here's a couple of verses, just the last few of the dawn of the dolphin, the rumble of the battleground rejuvenates the call. Come write another chapter in the greatest game of all. You know, despite what critics prophesize, the doubt they bring to bear, it's a road we'll walk together. It's a destiny we share. Come march towards the future. Come proudly, play your part with an appetite for triumph and a dolphin on your heart. Rolling forward on an ocean, staking honour to its vow and declaring for the record, a new history starts now. Oh, there is only one. Rupert well done, McCall, Rupert. well done, mate. Congratulations. And, but I know there'll be many more wins to savour with this club. Fins up, people. We'll see you, Dolphin Oval. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Rupert McCall, Poet Laureate, Dolphin's biggest fan. Good morning, Cam. Great to have you back for the, the season, the brand new season. Yes, we're back. And what a weekend it was, fellas. Uh, round one, a classic uh, to open the season on Thursday night with the Storm and Parramatta. And then to cap it all off, what a win by the Dolphins. Yeah. I was there calling the game at, for Channel 9. And uh, what, what a day it was. Not, not just for the Dolphins. It was just a great day for rugby league. For our listeners, Cam, what was, what was it like in general? Like You were there from where to go. Yep. And Rupert McCall spoke about the passion and, you know, the crowd, the 32,000 people at Suncorp. But what was it like for a, a first team, first game? Well, it was fantastic. Before. Like, like, there was so many unknowns about, you know, what was going to happen or, or how that day was going to unfold for the Dolphins. But right from the get-go, like an hour before kickoff, you could just see the people streaming in through the gate at Suncorp Stadium, just all decked out in their in their Dolphins merchandise. Just There was a sea of red everywhere. There was really only about I don't know five hundred Roosters fans there, but <laughs> there was there was literally just it was it was it was all Dolphins, and it just it was it was a it was a great feeling because you just you sort of thought back to the days of you know when when Big Artie Beetson pulled on the the, the Redcliffe Dolphins jersey, and they used to get thirty thousand at, at Lang Park on a Saturday afternoon when they'd play in the in the Brisbane mm. competition. You know, it was a it was a bit of 
sense of nostalgia there. But, um, you know, the game started, it was, a, it was a great start to the game. Both teams started really well. And then as, as the Dolphins started to get on top of the Roosters, the surge in, in the atmosphere and, and, and the feeling uh, at the ground when every, the realisation of the Dolphins were going to get a victory over one of the heavyweights. Like, the Roosters are a team this year, like with the, with the squad that they've assembled. They're, they're a lot of, lot of experts, um, favourites for the premiership. So for the for the new boys on the block to come out and, and beat them first up was just was just huge and it was just a great day for rugby league. Hey, give us an insight on what you know of Wayne Bennett and how he would have gone around this week. Well, well, you know they would have done a lot of hard work and and, and the preparation going through the preseason. Um, you know, I, I don't think Wayne would have took part in a lot of that. <laughs> you know, just knowing him, I think he would have left that up to you know. Christian Wolf, the assistant coach, and, and a lot of the the um, high performance staff. But I think where Wayne would have been heavily involved, particularly over the last two weeks, Paddy would have, would have been the mental preparation for yeah. this match, and and just having the players understand the significance of this of the of that first game against the Roosters, having you know the 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 significance of. Um, Arthur Beetson, having played for the Roosters and Redcliffe, you know they were playing for the for the Artie Legacy Medal, which Felice Cafusi took out, which I'm sure will touch on his performance. But I think he would have gone down that path around, you know, just making sure that every player knew the importance of the occasion, um, what it would mean to you know the Redcliffe faithful who have supported this club for a long, long time. Like they, they aren't a new they aren't a new football club. All right, they're a new franchise in the NRL. They've been around for a long, long time, um, and and they've got supporters who have been there from day dot, following this side. So it would have been a, an enormous day for those people that have been following this team for you know forty, fifty, sixty years to see them enter the NRL competition and then to get a win over the Roosters was just enormous. Well, we might as well talk about Felice Kafusi. You you made a pretty uh, big mention of him. He, he was yeah. outstanding. You know him well. He just drove the game, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he absolutely did, Buff. And um, you know, the, as I said, both teams started quite well, but there was a there was a, a period in the game there where it just n- neither side had any sort of control of the match, and it was the it was, it was just sort of seesawing, and the game was in the balance. And then he come up with a couple of huge plays defensively, where he put some big hits on the Roosters, um, got a couple of errors out of them, and it just it 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 looked like his teammates. Grew in confidence off those off those couple of big um, mm. tackles that he made, and you know I think you know, he ended up taking out the the Artie Legacy Medal for the Player of the Match, which he completely deserved. I thought he was outstanding, and and it was a, it was a it was a reflection of the day and and what that medal stood for. You know, yeah. like when you when you think back to Arthur Beetson and, and unfortunately I, di- I didn't get to see him play live, but uh, you know, I've only ever seen replays. But the vision that you see of him playing for whoever he played for, whatever jersey he was wearing, he was such an inspirational figure on the field and for his teammates. And the way that Fleece Cafusi played, being being a man that 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 he took a punt, he was the first person to sign with the Dolphins, not knowing what was what was coming afterwards. Um, you know, I think it was it was very much deserved. Hey, we know that part of your job these days is in television, and a lot of talk now about these massive TV ratings. I mean, we got Fox numbers. I know Channel Nine numbers would have been huge mm. as well, mate. I mean, 
in org as well, doesn't it? With, with a, the brand new franchise winning and taking a huge scalp, uh, winning impressively as well. Yeah. And then, of course, people want to watch the eyeballs, to use the old TV term, are there. Yeah, that's right, mate. It was, it was, it was a great round of footy and... You know, it was really important that the that the Dolphins got away to a good start. Even if they hadn't won that match, if if they went out and played well, which they did, and, and it was a great game, I don't think they would have lost any admirers at all. Um, you know, and but now the challenge for the Dolphins mm. is is that they is that they back up that performance. I, I think, you know, looking, you know, being in in the sport, it's 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 not difficult to get up for one game. All right, and particularly the occasion that they had on the weekend, yeah, that that was full of emotion. You know, it was the first game they wanted to play well, and and they did that. I just, I just, I hope they can continue that those type of performances into the next, you know, four to six weeks and carry on, you know, the, their good start. But I think with with the changes across the 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 competition, you know, the the switching of players, you know, Coruscant going to the Tigers, Kikau and Reed Marnie going to the Bulldogs. I think there was a lot of interest across the competition as a whole. Yeah. Just just to see how these teams are going to improve, particularly teams like, you know, the Bulldogs and the Tigers, um, the Newcastle Knights, the Titans as well, who who didn't fare so well last year. I think a lot of people were quite interested to see how those teams went out in round one this year. Well, going back on some of the other results, the Friday night kicked off with your old mob, the Storm, winning mm. again first round. Bellamy hasn't <laughs> lost the first round, has he ever? Has he lost the no, first no, round? No, he hasn't. Coach? No, he hasn't, mate. No, twenty-three years, Buff. Twenty-three years, the the Storm have not lost a single round one game. That's unbelievable. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. So, so that that was a great game. Obviously, sixteen twelve. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Because you had the monster finger. That oh, I mean, I'm you yeah. both are a lot tougher than me, mate. I'm straight off. If I do that in a game anywhere, I'm straight to hospital and walking straight off. I'm a coward. Yeah. Damn, I'm a coward. Oh, I don't think so, mate. You, you stood in front of some pretty scary bowlers. But um, <laughs> look, I, I think when 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 you see um, the commitment from Cameron Munster, I think that that's a reflection also of of what that record means to the Melbourne Storm and its players. I think what what he was trying to do there was not only protect the record of of the Storm and and try to continue that record, but it was also trying to protect his coach's record as well. Yeah. As we just mentioned, you know, Bellyache hasn't lost a round one game in his entire tenure at the Melbourne Storm. So that that shows the commitment to his club and and to his coach. He's now going to miss two to three weeks after that surgery. They've they've uh, they've they've since found out. So brave effort by him. Um, but what a way to kick off the season! Uh, it, it looked like the Storm. It looked like the Storm were, were going to take that out, but Parramatta found a way to fight back and. And in the end, you know, took it to Golden Point. There were several um, opportunities for field goals, and and it took it took a, a a smart play by Harry Grant right at the death. So it was tackle four. It looked like the Storm were going to go for field goal, and he just it it was just a heads up play, low risk. He took an opportunity to think, well, I'll have a dart, I'll have a crack at the try line here, and if I miss it, well, we've still got another tackle up our sleeve. We can then have a shot at goal. He broke a couple of tackles and and just got the ball over the line and it was a, it was a great victory to the Storm. They they didn't they didn't play their best football. I don't think either side did, but what it was it, it was a very it was a very brave gritty effort. Um, and I'm sure you know Craig will have a lot of things to talk about coming out of this game. I, I think he, his comments post match were that they didn't play overly smart, but he would have been 
very impressed with the way that they hung in there and hung in there and, and eventually got the win. Bronx Penrith, um, that was one of the big upsets of the round. I know it was yeah. wet, but uh, just the defensive performance of the Broncos gives mm. – and, and, you know, as you know, in Queensland, it's all been about the, the Dolphins in the last yep. 48 hours. But yep. I tell you, we, we've almost forgotten that the Broncos <laughs> upset the two-time Premiers. <laughs> Yeah, and and at a venue where they are very hard to beat, Paddy. Yeah. Like that, they've only lost maybe I think four games or five games at at home um, over the last three years. Yeah. The Penrith Panthers. So it's it's a place that it, it's very difficult to go down there and win, particularly in the conditions that they played in. But you're right, mate. I, I was really impressed with the way they defended. They started the season in similar fashion last year, where they they it looked like there was this new football side. Their defence was great. They were working together, particularly their goal line defence. To only concede 12 points against um, you know, the reigning premiers, and not just the reigning premiers, they, 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 they've won two consecutive premierships. So they're no mugs. Yeah. And, and I know, that, you know a lot of people are saying, well, they've lost Kikau and, and, and Coruscant's gone and they're a different side. Most certainly they are. But they're still, they're still a top four football side in, yeah. in my eyes. Um, and and they they got to make some adjustments, I believe, the Penrith Panthers because because of the personnel changes. But the Broncos, super impressive to go down there and win the way they did, um, makes for a huge matchup this weekend against the Cowboys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I tend to agree as well. I mean, there's going to be a big crowd. We know this weekend, and we're going to get. I, I think, as you well know, mate, we're going to get clearer indications. I mean, round one is always tough. So. A lot of yeah. cramps. We saw a lot of drop ball, and <laughs> yes. yeah, they, they get better, don't they? Yeah, well, they do. And and to be fair to to you know the players across round one, I thought it was there was a lot of high quality footy, given it was only round one, and and they're coming off the back of a World Cup year. So a lot of these players that were involved in the World Cup, they haven't had a, a whole heap of preparation for this season, boys. Like they they only really had about a six week preseason. And probably some of the bigger names wouldn't have trained that much. They probably would have had a little bit more of a rest. But, yeah, um, you know, I was really impressed with the, with the quality of the football over the weekend. There was really only one blowout, and that was the Manly Bulldogs game. And if you look back at that, you know, you could probably say the Bulldogs were a little bit unlucky with, with the sin binning of uh, Kyle Flanagan. Yeah. I thought that was a bit rough. Tommy Turbo, he deserves an Oscar for that dive that he took. He, he hardly laid a finger on him, <laughs> Kyle Flanagan. But... Um, it sort of that that moment. It, it mainly went on to score two tries, and it took the game away from from the mm. Bulldogs. But really impressed with Manly. Daily Cherry Evans, great Queenslander, um, Queensland skipper. He he was outstanding. He was probably the best player across the the round. He scored a hat trick and had a hand in a couple of other tries. Um, really impressed, mate. But as you said, it's easy to get excited after round one, and it was probably you know going back to my comments around the Dolphins. I'd I'd. I'd like to see them go on and, and pl- try and play the way they did against the Roosters. Try and play in that similar fashion over the next four to six weeks and we'll have a good indication of where everyone's at then. Yeah, okay. Cameron Smith will be our guest right the way through the season on Tuesday mornings as we uh, wrap up what happened last weekend and what's coming up in round two. What has happened uh, in the early hours of this morning, confirmation, Cam, is that the Titans have got their man. Uh, David Fafita signing a three-year extension. They're saying 2.4 million, so 800k a season. He could have cut, probably made a little more at the uh, at the Raiders with Ricky, and possibly even more at the uh, at the Broncos with Kevy, who came calling late. But he's decided to stay on the Holy Ghost. 
Yeah, it's great. That, it's great for the Titans, Paddy, that um, you know, Fafita's decided to stay, even though there was larger offers elsewhere. And I, again, that that just reinforces his commitment to the Titans. Um, Maybe maybe he's feeling he he owes a little bit to the club after you know they they went out on a limb a few years ago and offered him a, a huge contract. Of course, you know it was reported that he was on a million plus dollars over the last couple. So um, you know maybe he felt like he needed to repay the club and, and stick by them, which I, I think is fantastic. It, it's great when you see players turn down larger offers to stick with the club. He obviously feels as though they're building something quite special there. Um, they've made some some pretty big signings over the over the off season, um, you know. Kieran Foran, of course, being being the biggest one there, um, you know. And and it's great that that he now can just settle down, plays football. The contract negotiations are over. Um, you know, in the off season, I was actually speaking with their footy manager, um, Anthony Lafranchi, a, a former player, of course, himself, um, and he was super keen. The club was super keen to retain. Um, for feeder and, and have him stay long-term. Um, and it's great to see they got their man. Yeah, cool. Gold Coast home, mate. What did you think of the Titans on the weekend? Yeah, well, well, both a lot like a lot like the Broncos. I, I thought they were, they were very resilient. Um, it was a very resilient performance that they showed. They didn't have a lot of football early in that match, but they seemed to be able to just, you know, turn the opposition away, uh, you know, countless times early in the game. And they come away with a, a really strong victory. It's great to see sides go on the road round one and, and win. It it just shows that, you know, they're, they're, they've got their heads on. They're, they're well prepared for that mm. round one game, um, you know. But now for the Titans, it's it's about backing up those performances. What what plagued their season last year, not just their season, what plagued their, their performances week on week was their lack of consistency. Um, you know, so that, that's a challenge for them. And I know they've worked extremely hard throughout the preseason. They've, they've not just acquired a, a couple of, you know, quality people um, as far as players go, but they've got a couple of quality coaches up there now in Brett White, um, you know, my former teammate at the Storm, and also Dallas Johnson, an old Melbourne Storm player too. So yeah. maybe maybe a, a little bit of, you know, their, their coaching and their style that they, that they would have brought to the club in defence would have rubbed off on, on the club and... I know, speaking with Justin Holbrook as well, he's, he's been super impressed with, with the way Brett White has, has taken to the group and, and the influence that he's on had on the players. Yeah, yeah, no, they were good. And you're right, it was definitely hostile territory, like out on a Sunday afternoon. What is it, the, the locals call it the eighth wonder of the world. <laughs> hey, quickly, HIA has uh, been a big talking point. Ricky was mm. very, very vocal, giving it to the RLPA <laughs> and you know, saying that coaches should be trusted. Yeah. To, uh, to make their decisions on concussed players. I mean, what's well, your take on the independent oh, look, doctor? Yeah, look, I know that yeah, the, the RLPA and the, and the coaches they they very rarely see eye to eye, particularly when they, you know it's it's a question of you know removing players from the field. Um, and this is a this is a highly sort of topical debate at the moment is is the HIA and the independent doctor. Now I, I get it. it it's really important that we look after player welfare. There's there's no doubt about that, not just in rugby league, in all sports. Mm. But there's a fine line, right? I, across the weekend, I've seen a couple of, 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 you know, incidents where the independent doctor has become involved in in someone, you know, being removed from the field. And there was there was no concussion at all. Like, there was, there was absolutely nothing wrong with the player. Now, I, I can comment after, you know, playing the game for a long time that, and, I, and I'm pretty sure Billy Slater made some similar comments to might have been yesterday that, you know, 
you can you can be you can cop a whack around the chops, right? You can get a, a split eyebrow, a split chin, or something like that, and and there's contact being made with your head, but you can there's there's no concussion there. Like there, there's no there's no effects. You don't fall to the ground. You're not dazed. You're not dizzy. It's just a bit of a whack across the face, and you and you get on with it. I completely understand where they have these guidelines in place where someone shows symptoms where they stumble a little bit, like Victor Radley did on the weekend. Yeah, he could hardly you know walk two feet in front of the other. But you know, guys staying on the ground for you know seconds at a time, stumbling away from tackles, they're they're the clear indicators. But I think there was another one like Jared Wallace. He went and made a tackle. On the weekend, it was a good tackle around the legs. A teammate come in and, and just sort of squashed his head up a little bit, and, and it was an awkward position for his neck. And he he didn't stay on the ground. He he jumped up straight away, grabbed the side of his neck and shoulder, as like it was just a, a bit of pain, like a stinger, right? Yeah. Where you, where you have that sensation of pins and needles down your neck and through your through your shoulder. And he was removed from the field. So I can understand the frustration from coaches and players. And you can see on their face when they're being asked to come off the field, they know straight away that there's nothing wrong with them. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I can I can understand the frustration, but at the same time, I think it's really important that we that we are looking after the players and we're taking precaution when we can. Okay. Yeah. All right. No doubt it'll be tuned over the next few weeks and they will get it right. Hey, uh, we're getting very close to 8.30. I'll best go through these matches. Uh, I know it's Tuesday and uh, there will be – we haven't even seen the teams yet, but yes. we start Thursday night, <laughs> Panthers v Bunnies. Oh, look, this is going to be a cracker. Um, oh, geez. Would you dare tip against Penrith? And they're going to be 0-2. I'm going to. I'm going to go the Bunnies. Oh, Eels v. the Sharkies. Now, who would have thought these two would be 12th v. 14th after round one? <laughs> no, I don't think many people would have thought that. Uh, oh, look, I think the I think the Eels will bounce back here. Bronx v. Cowboys at uh, a Broncos home oh, game for them. Oh, geez. <laughs> You're in I, trouble I, here, mate. I, I know. I'm <laughs> gone. Um I, I actually picked the Cowboys to win the premiership this year, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna back them in to to win it. Golden point. Okay, <laughs> right. I'm not a whole heap of confidence there. Uh, <laughs> Roosters v Warriors. Uh, I think the Roosters will cop a, a red hot serving from Trent Robinson this week, and they will win against the Warriors. Dolphins, who are third on the table, they're the second match up Saturday afternoon against the Raiders at a sold out KO Stadium. Huge fan. I'm going Dolphins. Good boy. <laughs> <laughs> and the third game on Super Saturday will be Storm v. the Doggies at 6.35. Yeah, no Munster. Uh, makes it a little bit more difficult for the Storm, but no, I think Melbourne in Melbourne. A couple of teams that underperformed uh, opening round. Tigers v. Knights on Saturday on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going West Tigers to make up for that one. They're back at Leichhardt again, West yep. Tigers. And the lucky last is the, the Dragons and the Titans. I'm back in the Titans, two from two. Beautiful. All right, mate, thank you. Lovely to have you back on board again. We're going to have you right the way through the season. Uh, we're loving it. Cameron Smith, thank you. See you next week, Thanks, boys. Thanks, mate.